when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job, and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got off the plane? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of that. It was like, <laughs> like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. It's time for Carolina football. So get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, oh, live. I knew this could happen, but, you know, after a couple of weeks here and several days, we didn't even have to mention the the five-letter word. I was just going to ignore it till we had to, <laughs> to, had to talk about it, but COVID has bit us in the ass here. But, uh, yep. hey, thank God, no, no offense to Missouri and, and Vanderbilt, but... Thank God it's not this Alabama-Georgia game that we're all excited about. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the big news, everybody's probably heard by now, but the SEC has postponed Vanderbilt at Missouri this weekend. It was supposed to be in Columbia, homecoming to, which that sucks. Eli Drinkowitz and company getting some momentum. But, yep. you know, we had kind of talked about it on the previous show, Vanderbilt some issues with just not having enough players. So that's what happened. So that was kind of the big news here on Monday. So uh, thoughts on that, Shane? Yeah, it kind of sucks, uh, you know, because we have been able to ignore it for a couple weeks now. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I just thought we okay, maybe if we just don't act like the elephants in the room, <laughs> things will go as planned. But uh, nope, Vandy shot us uh, just like they're doing in the NFL, man. Yeah, Nashville's uh, man apparently a hotbed for uh, this COVID stuff. So hey, I'm in my uh, bunker though. The pod is going to keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So don't 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 go outside, Mike. You know, just you know, make sure that you leave your Grubhub at your 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 door for like what 24 hours, and then you can eat it. Uh, I don't know exactly how all that stuff works, but um, have have we talked about? rescheduling or is this something that we're probably going to get into later this week well uh so here's the thing so obviously all these teams have one bye week unfortunately vanderbilt and missouri their bye week doesn't line up but hey once again let's credit the sec they've left an extra week between mm-hmm. the end of the season and the sec championship game so they're going to slide this thing to december 12th that's the plan right now there's no game scheduled. So, you know, this is – it's almost like we got a free weekend for every team here in the SEC. We'll slide mm-hmm. that bad boy into the December 12th time slot. Obviously very unlikely that Vanderbilt's going to be in the SEC championship race. Uh, Missouri's already got a couple losses, so they may be out of the running already for that. But, hell, I mean, I'm not trying to jinx them. Let's say they go on a magical run here. Mm-hmm. We just saw Basilac throw for <laughs> – 400 yards, I think he had four incompletions. So, I mean, if Missouri gets there, they can still be on path to get to the mm-hmm. SEC championship game. Even with this, they'll just have, they won't have essentially a bye going into that SEC championship. So, once again, let's credit the SEC for handling this whole situation as best as possible. And this may not, while it costs us a game here on Saturday, it's not mm-hmm. going to really affect the season. So, you know, that that's the good news here. Yeah, well, and, and two, 
you're going to have uh, the national media watching one game in the SEC. That I mean, this <laughs> this could be exact. I mean, this could be good for Eli. I would think. I mean, not a lot of people were playing on catching the the Mizzou uh, uh, Vandy game. You know what I'm right. saying? But if it's the only damn thing on TV, guess what, buddy? We're going to be watching it. You know? <laughs> so hey, that's a good point. Team, so. I, I think this is uh, probably like Army Navy week. You know, they just do the one game. Then here we got Vanderbilt, Missouri could be the 330 CBS game right after RV Navy. So, yeah, there you go. Maybe maybe this will turn into the best thing ever for Vanderbilt, Missouri. Yeah, a little recruiting bump. Yeah, no, I like it. <laughs> well, hey, Shade, uh, you ready to go around the league? We got a couple big games to talk about. Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, no surprise here. We got to start in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Nick Saban met with the media here to preview the matchup with Georgia. And, of course, this is the big game everybody's talking about. Mm-hmm. Nationally televised, CBS even kicked. You know, they moved off the 3.30 time slot. They're going with the 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central for this showdown, Shane. And after Alabama showing here against Ole Miss, you know, it's kind of bizarre. They are the favorite. They're the betting favorite, minus five. I think most people are going to favor Georgia. I mean, I'm just kind of guessing. I don't want to reveal too much here, but I think that's kind of the way I see it playing out. And for everything Alabama's accomplished, I mean, are they going into this game having to prove something, Shane? It almost feels like that. How how weird is it to say that about Alabama? <laughs> I know. It is kind of weird, but I don't know, man. You watched last week, and, you know, it was a tale of two different teams. Uh, Alabama just didn't feel like they were playing their ball, and, and uh, Georgia just felt like they – you know, found themselves, found their true identity, and they look freaking amazing. So, yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to read too much into that because, you know, Saban did come away with yet another win. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, this is going to be a fantastic ball game, man. Maybe that's just the point we're at, though, with Nick Saban's program where, hell, if you're not dominating, it just feels like a loss, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this could be one of those at the end of the season where, like, Remember that cute story when Ole Miss scored all those points <laughs> and then Alabama just whipped up on everybody the rest of the way. So I'm not certainly not writing off Alabama just based on one lousy defensive performance because, you know, for every issue the defense had, the offense was just spectacular. And Mac Jones continues to impress me. I, a lot of people, I think yourself included, was a lot higher on him than I was. And he's made me look like mm-hmm. a damn fool. <laughs> Not that I needed that, but uh, he's helped that case. But uh, what are your thoughts on this Alabama offense going up against Georgia's defense? Oh, dude, it's it's the clash of titans, man. I mean, Alabama team that we, we thought would have the most potent offense coming into the season, and the Georgia Bulldogs with the toughest defense. Uh, and they have, going into, what is this, week three? Or week this will be week, week four. four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I still have the same mindset of both these teams. I still think Alabama has the toughest offense, and I still think Georgia has the toughest defense. And it's like one of these guys got to win, one's got to lose, and uh, it's just going to be a hell of a game, man. I I think this is, the like you said in yesterday's pod, it's kind of like a preview of the SEC championship almost. Mm -hmm. Now, any concern, though, that, you know, maybe I'm just trying to, create storylines here but the loser of this game maybe they spiral out of control you know what i mean because alabama's Mm. got tennessee right after this i mean they could get beat up it's at tennessee 
Uh, Georgia has got Kentucky. All of a sudden, they've got some momentum. And then the yeah. next game, they got Florida. So, you know, I don't want to write off the rest of the SEC either. I mean, I, we got to see how this plays out. I think the biggest storyline is, you know, who's Gary Danielson going to pick? Because, you know, <laughs> last week he was so damn in love with the Georgia Bulldogs. But, you know, he loves him some Crips and Tide. So, I, I just – I don't know, man. He he may just he may just faint when these two boys come out in the field, you know. So, but anyway, no, I don't. I there's always that possibility, and especially this year, I always wonder, like, you know, we, here we go, we got this COVID thing popping up again. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how how far away are we from some opt outs? Because both of these teams are teams that have first round players that right. are going to be playing in the draft, so. That would be more my concern is if one of these teams comes out and just beats the brakes off the other one. They say, hey, man, we are we just can't run with these boys. I mean, uh, you know, you already heard Lane Kiffin, you know, planting seeds up there in Alabama. So I'm not saying it's them, but that's, that's my biggest concern is the team that loses just how intact will this ball club stay. Not so much spiral out, but how much of this will say, you know what, we're, we're, I'm just going to train for the NFL draft. Well, hey, let's kick it over to Nick Saban, who talked about Georgia. And, hell, even he's, you know, I guess he's not saying anything too revealing here, but he says, you know, Georgia is the best defense. It's just, to me, it's so bizarre to hear Nick Saban talk like that. He really walked back these old Miss sign-stealing comments. I just got a <laughs> kick out of that. And then, of course, the big story there in Tuscaloosa, what in the world do we make with this defense and Pete Golding, and how hot is his seat? Looking forward to returning home, um, playing against an outstanding Georgia team. Um, th- this is, um, you know, probably one of the best teams in the country. Kirby's done an outstanding job there. Um, he's got really good personnel. Uh, they play well in all phases of the game. Uh, their defense is especially very, very good. Uh, probably maybe the best defensive team in the country all the way around when you talk about stopping the run, uh, having good pass defense, getting off the field on third down. Uh, they've been very efficient and effective in every part of the game. Yeah, Nick, there was talk about sign stealing after the game Saturday. I just wonder if there was any evidence of that or anything you wanted to add to that. No, I think, I think what I was really speaking to was we were more like I felt like we were always one play behind. Um, when I say one play behind, uh, I mean, you know, sometimes when you play in the NFL against Joe Montana or somebody really good, you always feel like you're one play behind because if you call this, they do the right thing against that. Um, so I think that was more what I was sort of referring to as if they knew what we were going to do. And some of that is, is our issue in terms of how we disguise things. You know, they were going fast. Uh, we were struggling to get lined up. We didn't do a very good job of disguising things. So uh, they were able to take advantage of a lot of situations. And, you know, they know us well. So uh, all those things probably contributed to um, me feeling a little bit like we were one play behind. Nick, when you when you scout Georgia schematically, how similar uh, is what Kirby and, and Dan do similar to what you guys do? And, and going back to when you and Kirby first got together in the early two thousands, given the changes we've seen across college football, to sort of favor the offense. How does that change? How has that scheme changed throughout the years? Well, first of all, to answer the first part of your question, I think there there are some similarities, but they've sort of progressed in uh, what they do relative to the players they have, and I think they do it really, really well. Uh, they've got some new things and different things that they do, which is you know, what we're all trying to be able to grow and develop in. Uh, I think they have a veteran team, so when you have a veteran team on defense, I think you can do a little more, and I think they've taken uh, good advantage of having good players who have experience, and those guys execute those things extremely well. Yeah, Coach, when you promoted Pete Golding to defensive coordinator, there was a report that his interview was, that you said his interview was one of the most impressive you've ever had. But he said during this fall camp that one of the things he learned from last year was that the head knowledge can only get you so far because you have to put the calls in context of the personnel that you have. I'm curious, now that you have experienced guys like Dylan and LeBron back, 
How do you feel the defense has been in terms of players being put in the best position to be successful? And what is your discussion with Pete like informing the game plan and in in-game play calling? In well, first of all, I, I don't think, you know, that the call is necessarily the issue. I think the execution of the call has been the issue. Uh, sometimes we coach players for what we want them to be, but we really need to coach them for what they are. And when I say that, I'm talking about how much experience do they have, how much can they handle, how much can they execute. So if the players are mis-executing, that's not a good thing from a coaching standpoint because that means we have to do a better job of teaching them or make sure we're not trying to teach them too much so they go out there and can't perform well with confidence and make the plays that we'd like for them to make. So you mentioned two players that have experience, but we have 11 guys out there at once. So it only takes one guy I, to make a mistake. And when everybody gives it my bad one time, that's 11 mistakes. Well, that can be a lot of yards. And um, you know we've had some guys that have made multiple mistakes and. We either have to get it fixed or replace them, and we're, we're going to work in every endeavor to try to get better. Believe me, this is no one satisfied with the way we played. Uh, I think it was very challenging, pace of play, all that type of thing with some of the players that we have, and you know, a couple guys uh, really contributed to a lot of those mental errors, but we just got to get them all fixed. All right, Shade, so I just love this. I mean, it seemed kind of like Nick Saban and even Dylan Moses after the game, they're making excuses why the defense wasn't good. They were stealing signs. <laughs> I think I think they do right away. They, they kind of messed up. They couldn't prove it, and there probably wasn't even much evidence of it, but I just I had to include that. But, you know, the real story here, the, these defensive issues and what's going on and who's to blame and how they – and can you get it corrected? Because they play like they did last week – against Georgia or Clemson or Florida or, or who knows. I mean, they're going to lose more often. They're going to win. They just, you can't play defense this way and win on the level that Alabama is expected to win. Yeah, no, and and they can't. And uh, this isn't a sustainable, you know, trait that they've picked up here. Granted their offense is fantastic, but all it takes, man, is a couple of mistakes, and a, and a team like Georgia is the one that can create those. I mean, look what they were able to do with Tennessee in that second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, once they pinned their ears back and, and applied the pressure, it was mistake after mistake after multiple drives. And, you know, one thing about about Alabama's offense is they really haven't been tested to this point, and that's about to change come Saturday. Yeah, I'm glad you said that here. A key to key to the game. We're going to get to Georgia in just a moment here, but I've been hitting at this. Mac Jones, how well is he going to perform under pressure? And I'm talking not necessarily how big the game is, but literally pressure from a defense. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss couldn't touch him. I barely saw any of it from Texas A&M. They did get the interception almost to pick six. Missouri mm-hmm. couldn't touch him. So this is going to be the first game where – He's going to get knocked around a little bit. I think that's got to be the game plan for Georgia's get to Mac Jones, play one-on-one in the back end. You're going to win some of those battles. You're going to lose some of them. But if you can force Mac Jones into mistakes, if you can rattle him, I think that's your recipe for success there. Yeah, I think that's got to be your goal right there is Georgia, just create chaos. And that's something that they've been able to do multiple weeks now. I mean, they made Bo Nix look like, like a damn – middle schooler you know just running around out there just trying to get something off uh they garantano you know it it took it it took a couple of miracle 50 50 balls to get any type of action on in the passing and and you saw behind those bohemoth tennessee volunteer linemen we only were able to get what negative one yards rushing so Mm -hmm. it, it is Kirby and the boys going to be able to make Nick Saban one-dimensional? I don't think so. I, I don't think they're going to – I mean, that's a that's a tall glass of water there, and I think Alabama, you know, has just as – they have some freaking five-star talent on the offensive line as well. Uh, you know, I just think it's going to be a fantastic game. Anyway, you slice it, and it could go either way. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised this thing isn't a pick em, to be honest with you. Well, let's kick it down to the other side. Let's go to Athens. Kirby Smart met with the media on Monday as well. And, you know, before we get to his comments, I wanted to ask you this. 
And he, I don't think I included the comments on this one because he didn't really have much too interesting to say, but he was asked about, you know, not being able to beat Nick Saban and that Georgia program not being able to get over the hump when it comes to Alabama. And he pointed to the fact that, you know, all these kids were recruited by Alabama. And, and I'm sure most, of, most if all the Alabama guys were recruited by Georgia and vice versa, mm-hmm. they know each other very well. Even the players know each other from these high school All-American games. So it's true that, uh, you know, there's not a ton of players on both these rosters that have faced each other. There are some for sure, but it's not like these two annually compete and most of the key players from their recent battles are gone off to the NFL. But he really tries to play it off like it's no big deal, like we're just playing Alabama and, you know, it's it's not a hurdle we got to get to. But, I mean, I think this is the biggest hurdle for Georgia's program is getting over Alabama. I don't know. I don't think they're ever going to win a national championship until they beat Nick Saban and Alabama. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think a lot of it too is emotional. It's as as a guy that went through what they um it felt like twenty games going against the the Gators that we just constantly keep losing and finding ways to lose. You know, it's just <laughs> in the back of your mind, even if you know you've got a better team, there's still that yeah, but we're probably gonna you know we're gonna right. find a way to lose this thing, and it mm-hmm. seems like. Between Alabama and Georgia, it's kind of created that little stigma. They definitely got to – this is the perfect opportunity to just kind of rip that band out. You got – you know, every time you talk to – it's 20-0. and 0, It's 21-0. and 0, It's, you know, it's saving – none of his protégés have, have been able to get over that hump. Somebody's got to do it, and I think Kirby's got the best team to do it. You know, just to be clear, I'm not trying to, like, pick on Georgia here. This is – you know, when Nick Saban got to Alabama – they couldn't do it until they beat Urban Myers, Florida. Yeah. These are always the natural hurdles. You got to beat your rival here, particularly when it's an SEC foe, because everybody knows the best football is played in the SEC. And if mm-hmm. you're dominant in the SEC, I think that gives you confidence that you are the best team in the nation and no one can stop you. And that may be, that may be the mentality in Athens, but it's not true until they beat Alabama, in my opinion. And it kind of felt that way last year with LSU until they beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just it, it didn't. No one took them. I mean, nobody took them. I mean, they took them serious, but not like, wow, these guys are true contenders. You know what I'm saying? Right. Until they until they were able to do that, and then they just ran away with it. That's that's something I could see happening here if Georgia could. I, I could see them just just dominating the rest of the season and. But then on the flip side of the coin, if they if they don't win this thing, you could also see teams like Florida sneaking back into in, into everybody's minds as a as a maybe an East contender, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart, who went on and on about Alabama's offense, how great it is, and these offensive linemen, how big we've never we've never seen linemen like this, dude. Jay. This- <laughs> Jay- <laughs> you sent me these damn clips, and I'm like, man, this is like. The worst coach speak ever. And it's not just Saban and, and I mean it's it's every coach that you hear today, guys. I'm just I'm just prepping you. They're just they got nothing but nice things to say and it drives me nuts. Jalen Waddle, this he talks about, you know, how great of a player he is. Oh God, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> he says he's never stepped foot in Tuscaloosa since he left. I just thought that was hilarious. And then uh, he also talks about Stetson Bennett here for a second and just kind of the kind of like how this guy's wired. I thought that was kind of interesting. Coach, uh, uh, obviously this Alabama defense is some – I mean, uh, excuse me, their offense is something else. Uh, I'm just wondering your uh... – Well, what's made them succeed well is players. They've got really good players. Uh, Sark does a great job of uh, implementing a system that the kids can execute – um, it, it's based on really hard guys to cover outside. Uh, they've got, you know, one of the probably the best back in the country, if not one of the best backs in the country. Uh, you know, Najee runs the ball really hard, and they're massive up front. So, offensively, they're 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 not built like some of these teams that that, that you know go tempo the whole time and go hurry up the whole time. They're they're built more. They can go they can they can go tempo, and they do they do tempo well, but they're really big. They can take shots down the field with the explosive wideouts they have. They make you defend the entire field. And 
Kirby, you're going to be going to uh, Tuscaloosa for your first game as a head coach. Uh, beyond the challenges of playing Alabama, what are your memories of, of being part of that community for nine years, and, and how often have you been back as Georgia's coach to either recruit in the area or visit friends? Uh, the challenges to going back or playing a really good football team in a tough atmosphere. They'll have uh, you know as many as they can have, and it'll be as loud as they can possibly make it. Um, but in terms of going back, I, I don't. I don't think I've been back since I've been the head coach at Georgia. I don't. I don't think I've been back any. I, I don't really remember. Kirby, as far as going back to Alabama, does the magnitude of this game compared to the previous two times you all played them, I guess, get kind of lessened because it's a regular season game? And also, I guess you've had a lot of roster turnover uh, when you look back at those 2017-2018 games. Yeah. The, I mean, the magnitude of every game, as you well know, Seth, is just it's, – it's, it's huge. It's the next game. And uh, probably in a season where you're not, uh, you know, playing out-of-conference games, you know, every game every game's really important because you're playing all SEC opponents. Um, obviously, the magnitude of those last two, we all know uh, what they were and what they were for. Um, so I, I can't weigh the magnitude of them. It's hard for me to compare those things because – there's not a game that I played in that the magnitude wasn't great. Hey, Kirby. Um, I kind of wanted to ask about Stetson Bennett's leadership and how he was able to, in practice or, you know, in the locker room, really make this team, you know, his own, really command it, even though, you know, he started – or he didn't get the start at Arkansas, but now he's really, you know, emerged as the guy. Just what is, what is it about him that has helped him rally the team around him? I honestly think he's just himself. He doesn't try to be someone else. He doesn't try to artificially lead. He doesn't try to fake it. He never did that while he was trying to compete for the job, and he hasn't done it since he got the job. Uh, Stetson is who he is, and, uh, you know, I think the skilled players on offense and the, the, the offensive line, they all trust and rally around him because they know he, he, he understands what we're trying to do offensively, and he can put them in good situations. Uh, and then the defensive players have all, you know, seen him play and know what Stetson's about. So. He does it his own way, which is really by doing very little in terms of uh, trying to vocally lead. He, he leads by example, and he encourages guys and helps guys get lined up. Hey, hey Kirby, I was wondering what stands out about Alabama's offensive line and, and how important the matchup of your defensive front will be against them on Saturday. Yeah, they're just massive. I mean, I, I don't know that even as good offensive lines as we've had, and when you throw Andrew, Isaiah, and Solly in the for us and you know those guys were big people but these guys uh they have a guard bigger than Sally. they've got tackles that are bigger than andrew and isaiah in, in, in a lot of ways especially over with, with evan so it's uh it's just a big group they can swallow you up they can move you they can mash you you know leatherwood played against us in the national championship game he came in and played uh, and thought he played uh, really well in that game for a freshman. So they've got experience. That's certainly a, uh, a, a really good group of veteran offensive uh, line guys that uh, helped them be successful offensively. Uh, Jalen Waddle, what kind of challenges does uh, he present for you guys both as a wide receiver and also what he does on special teams for Alabama? Yeah, he's as dynamic and as electric as I've seen. I mean, he, he touches the ball. Uh, you can see it on tape. It pops off, and it's really not just special teams. They find ways all over the field to get him the ball. They move him around. They motion him. They give him touches every way you can. And, you know, shame on them if they don't because he's he's electric when he touches the ball. I mean, he's uh, he's just a really, really good football player. And he's tough. Man, he's tough. He runs the ball tough. He's physical. So there's a lot of challenges there um, for us with him. He, he, he creates a lot of issues. Kirby Linkip and saying that you, uh, he believes you reveal too much about uh, the text message group you're in. Uh, what can you say about that? And, and what do you make of this 21-0 record that keeps getting talked about with Nick and his assistant, former assistants? I didn't understand. Somebody else was talking. I got the end of that about the the, the, the – assistance record but i didn't hear the first part i was saying lane kiffin tweeted out that you, you were revealing too much about these group text messages uh you know uh what, what do you make of uh, him him saying that's kind of a fight club you got to keep it in the house me saying that or him saying that he he revealed the text messages not me no no he said that something about an exchange that you had that, that you were indicating maybe he shouldn't have put that out there 
Uh, no, I, that's 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 Lane being Lane. I'm not I'm not interested in that. I mean, he he can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, he did it all last week. That's that's Lane's personality. Um, as far as the record, I mean, it what's everybody's record against Coach Saban? Everybody makes it about the assistants. I always laugh because uh, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody right now in the last ten years that's got a real good record uh, uh, against him in terms of that. So it's not something I focus on. I try to focus on what's going to allow us to play good. All right, Shane, so it sounds like Georgia's going up against the 1985 Chicago Bears. <laughs> but, you know, think about it like this, because Georgia, we've all been saying it, you know, their defense is dominant. It's the, it's the best in the nation, best in the SEC. But now's the time to, now's the time they got to show it. Because if they get, I'm not saying they're getting to get it exposed, certainly. I mean, I don't fathom that's going to happen, but. I think Alabama's going to have some success. That's just the way college football is now. It's not going to be a damn shutout, or they're not going to hold Alabama to six points or anything crazy like that. But you just can't let them score 40 on you. You know what I mean? So Because then that that mystique of your defense, I think, goes away. And, yeah. hell, I think that's kind of what Kirby's doing here. He's trying to pump the brakes, and he's trying to let his defense know, you know, this is the – this is a damn NFL offense you're going up against, and you want to play in the NFL on defense? Let's go, you know, punch these guys in the mouth and let's stuff them, and you guys are all going to earn paychecks by what you do on Saturday. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a statement game, um, you know. Uh, anyway, we slice it, and anyway, we try to break it down. Kirby knows how important this game, the Georgia Bulldogs, the fans, they all know how important this game is, even though it's not an East opponent. It's like, it's like they got to shed that, that stigma that they are not the best team in the SEC because they, they truly have the talent to be considered the best team in the SEC. And that now it's time to make that statement. But so does Alabama. You know, a lot of people, it's crazy to me that, that we're this far in and, and you know, the old Miss-Alabama game, yeah, that was big news-ish, mm -hmm. but it, it wasn't really. I mean, if you think about it, we're, we're three, three weeks. Not, we're not really talking about Alabama, you know, against Mizzou. Nah, you know, mm -hmm. that wasn't a game. Uh, old Miss, yeah, that, that came down there at the fourth quarter, and there was stealing calls, whatever, you know, but, but there wasn't. I mean, it, that wasn't a huge storyline compared to all the upsets that we had Saturday. Um, who was the other one? I don't even know. Who was the, the other one they played? Missouri, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Oh, Texas A&M, yeah. Yeah, see, that one That one was big. That one wasn't even a ball game, so nobody even talked. I mean, <laughs> right. I, I just – they, 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 they need a signature win, too. Alabama does. They need to, to – because every time I turn on damn ESPN, it's like, look how many points, you know, Clemson scored today, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and right around the corner, you're going to have Ohio state cranking up again, and they're going to start stealing those headlines. This is a perfect time for Alabama to also remind the country that they are the best team in the, in the country. So I just think it's a huge game for both programs, man. Yeah. And last thing I got on this game before we move on, we're going to be talking about it all week, but you know, the winner of this game, they're going to be the only undefeated team remaining in the SEC after just four weeks of play. And I think the motivation from there goes to, you know, trying to be the maybe the only team ever in the history of the SEC that could go 10-0 and in league play. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what you're playing for the rest of the year if you get this win. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. I love it. It's sometimes I forget that we're, you know, that we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but then look at look how exciting every Saturday is. You know, well, mm -hmm. I mean, this this last Saturday was a little depressing. I ain't gonna lie, but you know, but next week you got. It's like you can't think about it. I, I let me tell you, Mike. And I sent this. Uh, I made a funny little video about uh, Tennessee football. Okay, and and I know we're talking about two different teams, but. It's like I wanted to send it out today, but I was like, you know what? That was last week. We got another SEC team to, to think about. It's like you, you don't have time to worry about what you had. I mean, even when you hear these coaches talk today, 
Uh, not a lot of them are talking about what happened last week. They're already focused on what's coming up this week. And that's what I love about a 10 SEC game schedule. It's like you don't have time to sit around and, and talk about how bad your performance was like last week or how good. It's like, no, we gotta we got to focus because we got a powerhouse coming to our house. Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000 so you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So (laughs) head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross-sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at my bookie with that promo code that SEC. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of not focused on what happened last week, let's skip on down to Gainesville because the Gators got a big game here at home against LSU in a rivalry game. Obviously, that's lost a little bit of a luster this year just because LSU struggling. Florida just lost. Like I said on the last show, game day was headed to Gainesville. Obviously, that's not happening now. They're headed to Tuscaloosa. Do you you think Lee Corso made that call? Like, hey, <laughs> hey, guys, you know? <laughs> he has the LSU hat on. He just throws it off. He's like, ah, we're going to Atlanta or Georgia. <laughs> he probably had a pad in it for sure. But, uh, you know, it's funny because Dan Mullen, my God, he got – questioned and and questioned and questioned some more about this damn pack the swamp quote and you know I thought it was kind of like they were going a little too hard on him I mean he's just a damn football coach and hell he wants to win you know and and he's feeling it probably right now I mean I know the the Gator fans don't want him gone but hell they want his coordinator gone you know and it and we're talking one loss out of uh hell they lost two games last year they've lost one so far this year and we're already talking about someone's got to get fired I mean that's the pressure in Gainesville. That's the expectation. So, hell yeah, After immediately after a loss, a guy's going to say, well, I hope we pack the swamp because they need it. They need that W. And, you know, Dan Mullen wasn't sitting there watching LSU lose to Missouri. He didn't know that happened. I mean, maybe someone told him, but he's thinking LSU's coming to town. They're really going to get on my ass if I lose to them. So, yeah, let's pack this swamp. So he really got raked over the coals on this one, of course, Florida's not going to be opening it up, but uh, you know how big a game is this now? All of a sudden, you know certainly Florida's a big favorite, and they should win this game, I would think. But that's basically the exact same thing we said last week against Texas A&M. And I'm, you know, these are obviously different team they're playing here in LSU, and LSU struggling so much on defense. But I mean, what's presenting or preventing another shootout type game here, Shane, and where? The Gators, you know, come up short if, you know, defensive mistakes or a turnover here or there like it like just happened in College Station. So all of a sudden this is a must win because you can't go down two games to Georgia, you know. So how big a game is this for for Dan Mullen and the Gators? Uh, It's a bounce back game is I think, you know, the games like these always come down to coaching, in my opinion, because not only you got to teach the X's and O's and and go over the mistakes you made the, that week prior, but you've, you know, you've got to fire them up again. You got to get your whole squad back in it and, and remind them what they're playing for. So, you know, the benefit of Florida is they still control their own destiny. You know, it's not like they lost to Georgia this week. They they mm-hmm. they still get a chance. They still got a chance to play in the SEC. And and I don't, I don't care. You know, he's he's got one loss now, but you win the SEC championship, guess what? You're going to the playoffs regardless. So I, I think he's still got that message to, to to preach to the kids there. But I think it was kind of stupid about the, you know, the comments about the, 
the stadium. I mean, who wouldn't say that? Your your governor just came out, or I think it was governor, and said, mm-hmm. you know, you can go. You, we, we could pack these venues now. It's we're not. There's no restriction. Did you hear Shane? The media got mad at him. No. <laughs> That's no, what they I kept know. saying. I was That's, like, the guy came back. He goes, "You kidding? Are you kidding? Nine thousand without a mask?" I'm like, "Whoa, excuse me, doc. You know, I thought we're talking about football here. You know, you just got Dan Mullen off off a loss. He's upset and emotional. Those players and fans were all over his ass, and and it felt like a packed house." Kudos to the twelfth man. It, I mean, literally, I think they snuck in every twelfth, every other twelfth man in there. But, but that's beside the point. But you know, he came out and he he said those words, and it, and I mean, I I would push for it if my state said that. I would definitely try to uh, expand. Um, so I I don't know why that's why that's huge talking point. But I guess you know, again, I'm not. I'm not a Corona guy. Um, I, you know, COVID, I'm not a doctor, you know, the same thing we talked about all off season. Mm. Everybody obviously knows Shane just, you know, <laughs> he's, he's not a doctor. Uh, so he, whatever they say that, that goes, but if I was in Dan's shoes, I would have made the same comments. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen. And, you know, I, I just thought it was masterful where he, he dodges these questions, but at the same time, he's just saying, I'm just trying to create what A&M did, you know, it's like, because, <laughs> and he's dead on there. So he talks about that. Of course, he faced so many questions on the defense and how they can get that right and uh, some potential personnel changes that could be coming. He doesn't say whether that's players or coaches or what have you, but, you know, pretty, pretty interesting comments here from Dan Mullen. Talk about just after watching the film now and uh, spending time with it, just what, what things you might have seen um, defensively. Uh, you know what, uh, defensively at times, I think, um, one, you got to give A&M some credit. They made some great plays, uh, especially some of the shots down the field, 50-50 balls, one-on-one shots. Uh, uh, the quarterback, I thought, played really, really well. Uh, played like a veteran, experienced guy hanging in the pocket, delivered some balls, made some great throws. Uh, you know, a lot of times things that we do too, you know, I mean, he threw guys open. We have guys in tight, tight coverage. Uh, all over them, and he threw them open, and they were able to make plays. So that that hurt some explosives. Um, I thought I, 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 I thought we needed to be a little bit more physical within the run game. I thought you know that was one thing when um, you know they they started kind of grinding out the run game. Um, we weren't uh, as physical as we needed to be uh, in the run game aspect of things, and uh, so we need to be a little bit more physical. Um, within the run game, especially, you know, I mean, you get LSU coming in, so that's going to be another physical battle. So uh, we got to get ready for that. And have you uh, <clears throat> had discussions with Scott Strickland about what you had to say after the game about packing the swamp? Uh, no, I've been worried about trying to beat LSU. Again, obviously those comments were met with a lot of criticism. Do you have any regrets about uh, about saying that during a pandemic? and? And have you heard back, you know, heard from President Fox, anything like that? Yeah, I've been preparing for LSU. But, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, if you look at what we've been able to do, the safety precautions that we have that our, our players have followed, uh, our coaches follow, our staff follows. Um, you know, I think we're a model of safety of what we've been doing during this time period. So I'm really proud of how we've handled everything and, um, and, and you know, how safe we've been with everything we're doing and all the precautions we've had in place during this time. But I mean, like, but do you do you, do you understand? Do you get like ninety thousand people, with or without masks, breathing on top of each other for four hours? How that would be a bad? Well, I, I think I think Texas A and M actually they created a great atmosphere, uh, at the game. Created a, an exciting atmosphere. You know, uh, I thought they did a great job of doing that. Uh, you know, and so, uh, like I said, I, I haven't talked to people because I've been really focused on trying to beat LSU. Uh, but, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever the uh, whatever our government officials all say that and what everybody uh, does for the game, what we do need to do is however many people they allow into the stadium, we need to try to work as hard as we can, all the Gator fans and all of us, to create the best game day atmosphere we can. Don't mean to be hammering you here, Dan, but those comments generated like a lot of national um, backlash, so to speak. Okay. Did you? Are you aware of this? No, I've been on LSU. Kind of following up on that, uh, in 2005 when you were at Florida, you guys kind of 
throughout some of the offense and yeah. change on the fly. Are you are you able to do that with defense, particularly talking about the physicality in the front? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, I mean, we went from a team in 2005. If you remember, we never played. We we never really played much with a a fullback. Um, we had a couple fullbacks here that were good players, and we ended up tweaking the offense around doing some things um, with those guys on the field and, and helping out in areas that, uh, that we were struggling. So um, I think the same thing defensively. You're looking and saying, okay, um, are, we putting, are we asking guys to do things? I think one thing you look defensively is, is that, that we spend our time on is – not are we sound or not. I know what we're doing sound. I mean, Todd's, we got a great coaching staff. Um, and I know our scheme is sound. But now, as guys are performing here on a live basis within a game, there's a lot of new faces out there uh, for us as well. Are we putting them in a position to make play? Even though this is sound, right, this guy, we're putting him, he's not going to be as good as the, at doing this. We need to put him in a position to do something that he's going to do really well and prevent them. If, if we struggle doing something, make sure we're not putting those guys in that position. Right? You know, I mean, the, the easiest explanation is not put Kyle Trask in a quarterback run-based offense. You know, uh, you know that, that one kind of process is, I think, really easy to everybody for them to me to get into all the intricacies of the defense of what we're doing. But... Generally, the answer to that question is yes, you can. And what we got to do is make sure we're moving the guys into the right spots to be able to make positions. Hey, Dan, if I'm understanding kind of what you're saying about the defense, you obviously want to put your guys in the best position to do what they do best. So through three games, what do you think your defense is the best at? What are the biggest strengths? Well, you know, I, I, I think this. I, I think uh, – we have some guys that are, are pretty good. We've gotten better with our, our effort and our coverage in the secondary. I, you know, you get into it of looking at that game and some of their explosive plays, uh, heck, they made plays. You know what I mean? Uh, we make plays uh, offensively. You know what I mean? It, like, I, I don't know, I remember after, after game one, you know, Lane, Lane got up and was like, hey, you know, we had two guys on Kyle Pitts on that play. You know, we – you know, it just they threw it and he caught it where we couldn't defend it. And so I, I think we're, we're getting ourselves in that position. And so you can't mistake great offense for bad defense. So I think that's one of the things uh, that we're doing well. Uh, that I think the other thing we've done pretty well is is understand game situations of when we need to get stops. You know, for example, uh, you look at this last game and, uh, you know, as we continue to grow, as we continue to do it, is understanding the team part of football is making sure we have the ball with four minutes to go in a tie game with the opportunity, you know, with the offense to go win it. Uh, you know, if you look the last two weeks of we had a big lead. Now, obviously, you, you know, hey, I want to three and out and get off the field. Everybody does. But I also don't want to give up an explosive play and get it down to a one-possession game with four to five minutes to go when we can make it, you know, 30 seconds to go by the time that possession ends. And so I think, you know, I think our guys understand the game concept, the team concept, and having to play maybe a different style of football this year um, with how the, the schedule is going to be than you might, you might normally play within a year. All right, Shane. So for all that um, consternation, I guess you could say, there in Gainesville, one thing I didn't hear from anybody, and one thing that should bring a smile to every Gator fan out there, <laughs> you're facing Bo Pelini this weekend, bro. <laughs> like, like, I know Dan Mullen's not going to throw him under the bus, but I just thought yeah. it would be great if someone was like, well, how do you like your coaching matchup of your offense versus Bo Pelini's defense here? And that's, that's the part they missed of this one, I thought. Yeah, I think that is a big one, and uh... – you know, there's a lot of pressure on LSU right now. Um, you know, you, you, you drop one, eh, you know, it's it's going to happen. You know, it's the first game of the season. You can kind of, you know, do like we're doing. You know, hey, you control your own destiny. You just win it. Rah, rah, rah. You know, it's just you could say the same old, same old. But then when you drop your second one to, to Mizzou, and here's a team that's just not used to losing – coming off a national championship, uh, there's, there's a lot of pressure. And you've got the Gators here that got embarrassed, 
couple mistakes, they still could be undefeated. A couple mistakes, they could still be, you know, a, a lot of people saying they're, they're, they're the, they're, they're going to win the East, you know, there's not, nobody's doing that anymore. Everybody's convinced it's Georgia Bulldogs. So Florida's got to come out and, and it's going to have to be a statement game. So uh, LSU's walking into a buzzsaw itself and they've got a defense that's really struggling and they're going to be going against an offense that has no problem putting points on the board. So uh, this is a huge game. And uh, I, I think it's, it's as big as it is for Dan, I think it's even bigger, especially for uh, Bo Pelini here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for Coach O. So let's jump, you know, straight down to Baton Rouge where Go Tigers. Coach O also met with the media. And hell, I mean, it's kind of weird this rivalry just the questions that are I mean it's almost mirroring each other because the offenses mm-hmm. are rolling the defense are struggling they each just got both upset on the road of course it's gonna be a lot tougher for LSU going into Gainesville going into that swamp having to face you know a really motivated and energized Florida team here that's trying to keep up with Georgia but you know on the same end of the spectrum you know it's pretty wild that the and I think I've said this before, but LSU keeps winning the turnover battle in impressive fashion, yet they're losing these games. And Coach O kind of blows that off as like, hey, we're, we're close. But in reality, I look at that the other way. Because if you're a really good team and for whatever reason the ball you know is not bouncing your way and you're maybe minus in the turnover ratio – you can look at that and say, guys, the ball is going to bounce our way here soon. Just keep on that steam, and we'll start playing the ball we can. Whereas for LSU, we're, we're, we're playing horribly. And we keep getting all these turnovers, and then we're losing. I'm, imagine if it flips, these, flips the other way. They, they stop getting these turnovers. They're going to keep, be getting blown out here. So yeah. I think this is a lot worse than Coach O is letting on, and maybe he's just – you know, he's got to put on the brave face, I guess, that he's got here. But I don't know. I mean, where are we at here with LSU, Shane? Are we, have we reached the point that, uh, you know, it's like we just won the national championship and this is, I don't want to say a throwaway year, but it's just kind of like a, they're still doing their victory lap over here in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you don't want to be, you don't want to be a one-hit wonder. And, and you know, it's, when you win a national championship, you feel like, Man, every year's your year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I I did that, you know, '98, dude. <laughs> Twenty like, years oh, ago. '99. <laughs> we're gonna do it. We dropped the Florida game, but we still. Hey, we, it's okay. We can, you know. And then 2000, 2001. Man, we almost got back to it. So you, you just kind of once you hit that national championship, it's in the back of your mind as a fan, and you're expecting that. You're expecting. To, to, to win every game that you play. And, and when you drop to teams like Mississippi State and Missouri, I, I can't imagine, man. I can't imagine what an LSU fan is feeling right now. They've got to be beside themselves. I know they're still excited about what they did and what they accomplished last year. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, you're thinking – well, what recruits are going to want to come down here if we're not winning anymore? You know, it wasn't hard to recruit last year. It's going to be tough if we if we drop two more games in the in the SEC. So, I, I just yeah, it's it's huge. It's a huge momentum swing for for LSU. They got to figure this out, man. They got to figure this out. I thought they I thought they did week two, but mm-hmm. man, they took like I said yesterday, they took ten steps back. Well, let's kick it over to Coach O, where he's just searching for answers here. Says they're going to get it right. Sounds like they're going to simplify the defense. Basically, the same thing. Dan Mullen here. Personnel changes are coming, and then. But the good news, it's not all bad. We're not trying to just totally shit on LSU here. Miles Brennan is playing incredibly. Terrence Marshall, Eric Gilbert. I mean, they're living up to the hype and some. They really got to get that running game going though. But uh, let's kick it over to Coach O. Uh, Coach, when a team gets in a situation like this, a lot of times people say two things are going to happen. Either they're going to come out and play above their head and give an amazing effort, or it's going to spiral out of control. There's nothing in the middle. Yeah. Uh, do you think that that's kind of the case for you as you go to Florida? This yeah, you know, I, I just think we need to play up to our capability. Not only do we need to play up our head, we got, we got some good players, we got some good coaches, we got to do it right. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I don't see the other one ever happening there. Uh, head coach Shay Dixon with 24/7. Um, 
when you guys had dropped a couple of early season games before you rebounded after Troy and, and went to Florida and won, uh, you said that team, those losses gave them some grit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's different teams, but what about this week? You know, does the team need to do to kind of match what happened following that Troy loss? We'll find out. It starts with practice. It starts with the coaches. I'm not going to put it on the players. Let's talk with the coach. we got to coach them better. I mean, there's some things going on in that film, some bust guys weren't running wide open, you know, uh, not, not the right calls on the goal line. We, we didn't block some people. So as coaches, we got to clean stuff up, man. It starts with me. we got to, we got to be accountable. we got to be detailed. So I, I want to put it on the coaches first. And then, and then the players got to go out and they got to understand. they got to come in and work extra. they got to look at their iPads at night. they got to study. they got to be committed, which I think they are. And they gotta, we got to make sure that they understand the game plan that we want them to execute and for them to go out and execute. That's all that is. When the defense has struggled against Ole Miss, y'all simplified it and it kind of rebounded. Mm-hmm. Are there some parallels from last year having that turnaround to what could happen with simplifying this year? Yeah, well, I hope so. And uh, we're definitely going to simplify. There's no question about that. And uh, we're going to make. I'm going to make sure that any any defense is called. I'm always going to call the defense. But I'm going to make sure anyone that's called that we run it right all week and our guys understand it. If we don't understand it, we're not running it. Uh, obviously, a lot of us have made note of the fact that you said in the offseason that, that the uh, the defense looked better than it did at any point uh, last year. What were you seeing in practice that you liked and what has not translated to the field in these, in these yeah. Uh, games? Yeah, I, I saw a defense with a lot of pressure. I saw a defense running around making plays. Eliminated explosive play. That's why I said it. So I know, I know some of you have tried to burn me on that. I get that. It ain't no big deal. But that's what I saw, and I told the truth. I don't think we played great defense last year. And I brought Bo in. I, I, I thought that we. I still think we can have an outstanding defense. Uh, I know there's not a lot of great defense being played in the SEC right now. That's no excuse. I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear that. I want to play great defense at LSU, and we're going to play great defense one way or another. So. The things that I saw, like I always did, I told you all the truth. And I, I thought we were pressuring the quarterback more. I thought we were flying around. I thought we were fitting the run. And uh, so that's what I saw in practice. That's what I told you all. Do you think that the, the fix on defense is going to be easy or difficult? And two, I went back and looked at the tape, and there was a lot of those runs where the backs – weren't even getting contact until they got to the second level. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you do to fix that specifically? Okay, first of all, I think it's the uh, first question, I think it's somewhere in between. I think that, well, first of all, we have to simplify and put our players in the best position that we can, we can be. And I think when you do that, our players are going to make plays. So I think it's somewhere in between. It's not as difficult as it may look, but it's not easy. I think it's somewhere in the middle. And it just starts with us. It starts with coaching. Second of all, they were running a lot of counter plays, all right? And sometimes we're spilling that, and the linebacker was going too wide, and the, and the defensive tackle, the end, was supposed to shove him down the line and let the linebacker come free. He wasn't getting that done. His eyes were in the backfield. Poor fundamentals. So there are some things that you saw there. Uh, we're going to make some personnel changes, uh, maybe get some bigger defensive linemen in there that we can play the run better. Obviously, I think our pass rush is pretty good right now. But we got to be able to stop the run better. I think it's all about playing bigger guys up front and playing better technique. Um, you mentioned the defense and the guys being out of position, but is there some things you've seen from that unit that you can build on? I mean, obviously we see the guys forcing turnovers and, and making yeah. plays at time. What yeah. can you build on? Thank you, Amos. Thanks for bringing some positivity. appreciate that. You know, and really, you know, uh, we're plus six in the turnover ratio. Man, we're plus six in the turnover ratio. We scored 41 points. We need to win the game. Okay, so there's a lot of good things. Our guys are causing turnovers. Our guys are going after the football, just like I saw all camp. Our guys are rushing the passer. We're putting pressure on the passer. So those are some good things. Those are the things that we have to build upon. I really think that we've beaten ourselves. I think when you look at the film, it's not the other team that beat us. We beat ourselves. Question at the same time. Um, <laughs> the relationship that, uh, that Miles and, and his receivers, uh, Eric coming along and, and Terrence really had that connection, that go-to ability. Could, could you just talk about the positive nature of that and yeah. their feeling? But then also um, the, the linebackers in coverage. Again, that's just something that I wonder about. Is Jacoby better served 
you know, maybe not playing as close to the line as he has been. Have you, is, there, is there a compromise there that you see? Yeah, first of all, uh, very proud of Miles and his receivers. And, you know, going into the season, that was the big question mark. Well, I think he's answered it. And uh, the three games that he has, he's played pretty darn good. He's gotten better every week. So I'm really proud of him. I'm probably most proud of him taking that hit on the sideline and coming back. You know what I'm saying? The, the question was, was he tough enough to take a hit? I thought he was, but I always said, we've got to wait in the game to see if he can do it. And he came back. He stepped up in the pocket. He made great decisions. And, you know, the receivers like Terrence Marshall and Eric Gilbert, those guys are answering the bell. I think they're playing very well. Okay. Jacoby Stevens did have, did have some uh, miscues. Uh, we're trying to find him the best place to play. Jacoby's an outstanding rusher. That's one of his best attributes. Uh, last year we rushed him. We had a defense called Saw Dog, and he was playing like outside linebacker, and that's where he was most effective. I had a meeting with him today. Uh, he knows there's some things that he has to work on. I had a meeting with the coaches. They know that we need to put him in better positions for him to make plays and use the talents that he has. Coach, is, is Miles Brennan playing better than you thought he would uh, so far, just the numbers he's put up and uh, especially the, the deep ball and his accuracy? Yeah. Well, he's playing as good as I hoped he would. Um, I can tell you that. And uh, I, I believed in him, and I always believed in Miles. And I always said that. And But I knew he had some stuff to get better at. I think the coaches have done a tremendous job of coaching him up. He's a coachable kid. He's in here every day. He's the first one I see here all the day. And he's studying. He's getting better. He's got a lot of want-to in him. So, yes, he's playing as well as I have hoped that he'd play. All right, Shane. So, I think you, you could just kind of hear it in his voice. I mean, this is not the same happy-go-lucky coach we're used to getting. I mean, it just seems like yeah. a guy, in my opinion, that is just kind of grasping at straws doesn't really have the answers and I think he's just waiting for things to you know start going LSU's way but it doesn't get any easier from here I mean they basically have lost to two of the SEC opponents they're going to be most heavily favored against the (laughs) entire season so yeah I mean I guess I just keep repeating myself here but uh, how we talked about what this game meant for Florida what does it mean for LSU Oh, man, I, I think it's I think it's big for the for the morale, you know. I, I think it's big for. Or how about let me ask you this this way: Is this a game where they could save their season? Where if somehow they find a way to win in Gainesville, I mean, this has been a wild series. It seems like uh-huh. home field doesn't always matter. It it seems like the underdog has come and won sometimes. So, I mean, is there a chance? Maybe they do get the defense fixed here quickly. And they somehow find a way to upset Florida, and then all of a sudden LSU is, you know, they're already two games in the hole, so I don't want to call them a contender yet, but they're on their way back to being a contender. I mean, I try to stay positive, Mike. You know that. I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind but... of guy. But it's like if I asked you at the start of the season um, – you know, LSU's going to lose two games this year. Who do you think it's going to be? And you'd probably say, I don't know, probably Alabama, probably Florida. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, but what if I told you they haven't played those guys yet? You know, (laughs) it's like, I mean, I I want to be positive. The positive thing here for the LSU Tigers is they've got talent. It's young talent. They have no problem scoring. The the offense looks fantastic. Uh, It's this – and maybe part that's part of it. They maybe they can't. They need to slow it down a little bit. You know, milk some of that clock so so these guys can. You know, they're not on the field the entire time. So mm-hmm. I, I I think it's a total package. And, and this is, I mean, obviously you talk about a get right game. If you could beat Florida, then you know you beat a team like the Gators, then they forgive losses like Mississippi State week one. You know, and then you move on to the next one, and then you move on to the next one, and then you can build something. It's a young squad that that maybe just they're they're having trouble finding themselves. And uh, the the best way to the best way to shut people up like myself is to win. <laughs> you know, if you keep winning, I'm not going to say people like me aren't going to say stupid stuff about your teams. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I promise I won't either. <laughs> All right, Shane, I think that we're going to cut it short on this one. We're recording very late 
Shane's got to get to bed. I got to get to bed. I know there's tons of other SEC games, and we promise we'll get to those on the next episode. But, uh, hey, you got anything else, anything you wanted to say before we hop off here? <laughs> no, I just appreciate everybody being patient with us. Uh, you know, my schedule's been extremely hectic. I mean, I'm sure Mike has too, but I've been getting in pretty late. And uh, so we try to, you know, we, we don't want to leave you out without news. That, that's you know we try to make this a daily podcast for you especially during the football season um you know so uh, i appreciate you being patient with us well like mike said it should be an earlier day for me tomorrow so hopefully we can get to the rest of the teams and uh get back on normal schedule but you know you know if, if you're wondering why shane's rambling so much because it's late <laughs> and i'm about three beers in mike so <laughs> Hey, I'm right there with you. So last thing I got, just want to say, if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind just going that extra step, giving us that five-star written review. Those have been flying in. We really do appreciate it. And of course, always, we got the koozies for you. We got Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, Auburn. We got more on the way. So get those reviews in. We'll get you a beer koozie of your choice. Soda, some people tell me, hey, I don't drink, but I just drink soda. Hey, they work for soda too. So any and anything you need, put your water in there, what have you. But uh, we really do appreciate each and every one of you that goes and does that extra step. It's why we send those to you. We're doing it for you guys. So, hey, that's all I got, Shane. Um, Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Go Vols.